The message you're about to hear is a production of the Word and Sound Ministry of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Throne of Grace, Richmond Hill. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God bless you as you listen to the transforming and inspiring Word of God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's a great pleasure being here with you this morning. And uh, I would like to say, I'm not in the political field today, so I can say I will not date today, huh? You know, every now and then, at council chambers, I like to wear Nigerian outfits. And I'm the only doo-doo person there. So it's always interesting when you walk in there like, what are you wearing? But it's a pleasure being here with you. My name is Aya Wood, and I'm really excited to be here to be a part of this conversation as you're going through this theme this month. My hope is to provide some insight into an industry that many of us do not think about, but on a daily basis, it's affecting your life. Whether that is your trash that is being picked up daily, or whether that is regulation or laws that are being put in place that will affect your children. Things are happening on a daily basis, and my question for you is, number one, are you aware of it? Number two, are you inside of it to be able to influence some of those decisions? Number three, do you know people that are there that can speak on your behalf? So that's what I'm hoping that we'll be able to talk through over the next 30 minutes together. This morning, a lot of interesting things happened. Car was not working, couldn't pick it up from the mechanic, so I almost could not make it. But I say, lie, lie, I go make out. I go make out. We will have this conversation. So, praise the Lord. It's a pleasure being here. We're going to start out in the book of Esther chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. I'm going to have it on the screen. Hopefully, I should be able to see that far. Okay, I have it here as well, so I should be good. Esther chapter 2, we're going to fly through some scriptures really quickly because I only have uh, 30 minutes. It says here... Before I even go into it, I hope we all know the context. Esther chapter 1, the king throws a big party. Imagine partying for three months. Imagine you shut down the street for three months and you just party. That was what was going on. Then the king called the queen in and the queen refused to come in. And out of anger and frustration, the king decides that, you know what? She's no longer going to be queen. We're going to be separated. And then now... He's thinking about who would replace the queen. And that's where Queen Esther comes into the picture. I wanted to give you some context before we go into chapter 2. So here we go. Esther chapter 2 verse 2. It says, later, when King Xerxes' fury had subsided, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let us, let a search be made for a beautiful young virgins for the king and let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa and let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women and let beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. This advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. Then, verse 4, Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. The advice appealed to the king. Verse 8, it says, When the king's order and edict, uh, edict excuse me, had been proclaimed, 
Many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. Here's my first question for you. If a decree is shared in your town, in your city, in your community, are you even aware of it? Right now, there are conversations happening across Canada about short-let rentals, Airbnbs, and decisions are being made whether they should be legalized or banned in your community. There's a likelihood some real estate investors are probably here who have invested in some Airbnb. So there's a likelihood the conversation is coming to your town. Who is speaking on your behalf? There's a likelihood some conversations are happening in the school system. Things that could be affecting your children. Are you aware of those things that are happening? If a decree is shared in your town, your city, your community, are you aware? Question number two. If the law is changed, are you aware? Do you pay attention to what is happening locally? Do you pay attention to what is happening provincially? Do you pay attention to what is happening federally? Or are you like, you know, I am just here. I thank God I am here. <laughs> eh? I have left Wahala. <laughs> so because of that, I'm not going to pay attention. So is this you? Your head is in the sand. I don't even want to know what is happening. Why come here and not pay attention? You left the place because of what happened over there. You are coming here and you're allowing it to happen again to you. Think about it. Let's move on. We're going to Esther chapter 3 this time. Verse 1, it says, After these events, King Xerxes honored Haman, son of Hamadetha, the Agagite, elevating him and giving him a seat of honor higher than that of all the other nobles. All the royal officials at the king's gates knelt down and paid honor to Haman, for the king had commanded this concerning him. But Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel or pay him honor, he was enraged. Verse 6. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, the Jews, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews. So rather than just killing Mordecai, he's looking to kill all the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. Verse 8, then Haman said to the king, he said, you know, Baba, there's a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all your provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from those of all the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them. And I will give 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. In other words, king, you don't even have to take money from your budget. I will pay for this one. So the king said, yeah, go do what you want to do. The king took his singlet ring from his finger, gave it to him and son of Hamadatha, the Agagites, the enemy of the Jews. Here's another thing I want you to think about. There are rooms where decisions are being made on a monthly basis in your city in your province. These decisions are affecting you, they're affecting your family, they're affecting your life, they're affecting on the micro level, trash pickup on a weekly basis, on a macro level, so much more, your taxes. Are you even aware of those things? Who is there to ensure your voice is heard? Who is there to ensure your concerns are considered and your values are protected. 
this conversation was happening between the king and this individual, there was nobody else in the room. They made a decision in a room, and the Jews were not there. But that decision was going to affect the Jews. Not just affect them, affect their lives. I want you to think about it. Let's move on. I'm going to quickly fly through this. Esther chapter 4, verse 4, it says, When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and ashes, and he went out into the city, wailing loudly and bitterly. But he only went as far as the king's gates, because no one clothed in sackcloth was allowed to enter. Esther heard about this. Then Esther summoned Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, assigned to attend to her. And ordered him to find out what was troubling Mordecai and why. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. I'm sorry if the font is too small. Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa, to show to Esther and to explain to her and he told him to instruct her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. It is good to have someone there. Oh. Let me say that again. It is good to have someone there. Oh. Verse 9. Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, All the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know... That for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courts without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them uh, and spares their lives. But 30 days has passed since I was called to go to the king. Wahalade. Verse 12, when Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back these words. Now we know this one. We quote it all the time. We love to share. We share with power, with vigor. You know, we bounce when we share it, but we, pay, we don't pay attention to everything that happened beforehand and everything that takes place afterwards. We only focus, we pull out that scripture and we like to quote it. What is that scripture? Do not think that because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. We know that one. We quote it very well. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So, Here's another question. What seed have you strategically planted in government to speak on your behalf? Other people do it all. Other communities do it all. They're called lobbyists. Do you have someone there on your behalf as a community? Yes, we pray. I know that. I understand that. We pray. But in 2016, I was praying. I was concerned about things happening in the political sector. I was concerned about things happening in the city. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a pastor or anything. Um, so, you know how pastors say, God spoke to my heart. God said to me. I'm still waiting for God to say things to me. 
I like to say that so that for some of us that don't have those experiences, just so you know, there's a book of Nehemiah where it didn't say God spoke to, but there were some leanings and things that Nehemiah did. But I felt a sense in my spirit, what are you doing about it? Okay, you are praying, go do something. I was only on my work permits. I did not have PR. I did not have anything. But I was on my work permits. So 2016, I went to meet my mayor. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. I sent an email. I scheduled a meeting with him. I said, I would like to run for office in the future. Can you teach me how to? He probably thought I was a crazy guy. Who is this one that is coming here? So he, and then he said, oh, okay, great. You have to be a citizen. Okay, yes, yes. Yeah, that one would, it would take 20,000 years. We'll leave that one aside. Yeah, tell me the rest. And then he started sharing with me. Last year, my, the same mayor called me. And he said, Counselor Ayo Oweduni, I can't believe that six years after our first conversation, you know, that dream, that crazy dream you had came to pass. My story, I pray to God. And I was asking God to take action. But the reality was God was waiting for me to take action. Many of us were praying for God to take action. But the reality is God is waiting for you to take action. In the book of Haggai, which I love so much, God challenges his people to rebuild the temple. And something interesting happens. We all miss that scripture. It says, after the people decided that they were going to build, it said the spirit of the Lord stirred their hearts. The stirring of the hearts didn't happen until the people decided to take action. So, I'm here to beg you. I know you, everybody, when you hear business, all of you got excited earlier today. You know, we're looking for business owners, absolutely. And I'm going to talk about the seven key industries. That's a different conversation for another day, but I'll, I'll show you the slide. But we'll talk about seven key industries that we need righteous leaders, righteous Christians in. And one of them is politics. So, I'm here to beg you. I need you. We need you. The church needs you. The community needs you to run for office. We need you to serve in the public sector. We need you to serve in the community. We need you to support people that run for office, that take that initiative. We need you to raise kings and queens, leaders within your community. So there are five categories. Am I correct? And I'm going to ask you later on, which of the five are you? Before, I used to only focus on one, but I realized there's a lot more to this. So I'm going to quickly go through the five with you. Let's start with the first one. Before we do that, actually, let's go through why this is important. Why is it important that we do this? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, the people groan. So my question for you is, if we know that the people will rejoice if righteous are in authority, why are you not in authority? Why are you not positioning yourself to be in authority? Why are we waiting? Proverbs chapter 28, verse 12. When the righteous succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. May I add, people run away and jackpot. I did not say that. So. I know this is live streaming. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. It says, righteousness makes a nation great. But sin is a disgrace to any people. Matthew chapter 5 verse 13, Jesus said this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Why are we hiding? 
Why are we not in this sector? Why are we not challenging it? I received a question from pastor earlier uh, yesterday. I guess some questions are coming in. And one person said, why? <clears throat> and I don't remember the wor uh, word for word. But it was around why are we allowing or why do we want to go into an industry where there are a lot of corrupt people and things of the like. And my response to that is the only reason why they're dirty and corrupt people is because the, uh, light left that room. When light leaves a room, darkness takes over it. And the only time that light can come back into a room if is light comes into that room. Okay? So my, my response to that individual or the person uh, that sent that question is the only reason that has happened is because we're not in there. What is distracting us? What is holding us back? There are a few things I wrote down because of time. I'll skip this scripture. What is distracting us? Number one, we're focused on settling down. I was at a Thanksgiving event if, uh, during Thanksgiving a few days ago. And we were all talking about what we were grateful for. And everybody, I think 90% of people there said, I'm so thankful that I am here in Canada. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm like, is that all? Is success just arriving here and just settling and putting our heads down? Like you are blessed with so many gifts, so many uh, life experiences, education that this place is in dire need of. They're in need of your strength, your resilience, your confidence, your education. All of those things that you were blessed with before you left your country. Imagine if Moses was hiding. Hey, I'm just a small Jewish boy. In fact, my people are slaves, so let me put my head down. Imagine if Nehemiah was hiding. I'm just a slave here. Let me put my head down. Imagine if Daniel was hiding. I'm just a teenager. I'm not supposed to be doing anything. Let me put my head down. Think of all the value that have been lost, all the pages in the Bible that would be missing because such key individuals are stepping away. What is distracting us? We're focused on settling down. We are focused on survival. We just want to survive. We are focused on bills, bills, bills. I've heard this from other people. I know, you're right, sister. My sister said, hmm. <laughs> I felt the weight of that, hmm. Hey, hey. hmm. My back with me. <laughs> we don't even know where to start. I've had people say, yes, I've thought about this thing, but where do I start? Don't worry, we've created online training that you can use that can teach you step-by-step -step process of how to do this. We don't think we are good enough. I've actually heard a Nigerian say, it's not for people like us. It's for them. I said, who is them? Who is them? Do you think you don't have the education and the experience and the knowledge to do this? Yes, you do, actually. So I'm going to talk to five groups really quickly. Group one, the candidates. These are people that, as I'm sharing this, is touching your hearts. You're like, eh, somewhere inside... I think this is right for me. I think this is something that I would like to do. I think it's something that I'm interested in. These are people somewhere deep in your heart. You want to run for office or serve your community. You can lead. You have the ability to lead. You have the gift of leadership. You've been blessed with that spiritual gift. Your community needs you. Your city needs you. Your province needs you. At the federal level, you're needed. There are some of us that there are issues and concerns that you see in your community that are frustrating you, that you're not happy about. 
Your city needs you. Your community needs you. Be the change that you're looking to see. There are several positions that you can run for. You can run for a member of parliament. You can run for a member of provincial parliament. For those that are online in other provinces, it's called MLA, Member of Legislative Assembly, I believe. Uh, you can run for mayor. You can run for a regional council if you're part of a regional uh, type setup. Uh, you can run for a city councilor. I'm a city councilor. You can run for a school board of trustee. We have a training program that explains each one of those and what it takes. Yes, the requirement is you have to be a citizen to run. However, you don't have to be a citizen to start planning. You don't have to be a citizen to start strategically placing yourself. You don't have to be a citizen to start learning. You don't have to be a citizen to sit with your mayor and say, I want to do this in the next four years. Can you teach me? You don't have to be a citizen to support someone that is running so that you're learning from that person while they are going for office. There is a Nigerian that supported me through my, uh, my run. She's not a citizen yet. She doesn't have a PR yet. But she can run someone's campaign for them now. Why? Because she was right there with me step by step for the two-month process while I was running for office. She has gained the knowledge and experience. She's thinking of running in eight years' time. Think about that, eight years of planning. Who can compete with someone that is planning for eight years? Group two are, excuse me, group two are civil servants. My apologies, civil servants, potential civil servants. These are people that work in the civil service. Some of you are lying or are, are laughing rather because when you hear civil service, you know what I'm I'm not even going to go there. I won't say it. But we live in a country that has probably one of the most efficient civil services in the entire world. Okay? I remember there was a pothole by my house. I drove by it. I sent an email. And on my drive back, an hour later, that pothole was already getting filled by the team. Efficiency. When they come to us at council and they bring recommendations and they bring thoughts or they bring the things that they're looking to do, they've given me projections. They've given me plan A, plan B, plan C. What could happen with this one? The pros and cons for this efficiency. These people are going to school. They have an MBA just like you. They're super smart. They're efficient. They are not here to play. When last did you go? I went to do my driver's license. I do it online and it's mailed to my house. In April, I went to Nigeria. I went to do my driver's license. Hmm. <laughs> May I not talk? But these are the Nehemiahs and the Daniels. They're not necessarily running for office. They're not necessarily the politicians, but they're the engine behind that can get things going. And for some of you that say, ah, does that one make money? Go online and check their salaries. There is a particular list. I forgot the name of the list, but it's people that make over 100000 in the public sector. What is it called again? The Sunshine List. Thank you. Go look at the Sunshine List and look at some of the city administrators and people that work in your city on that list. Okay? And they're in dire need of people because not many people are going in this direction. So for many of us, you might need to start looking in this direction. And they're unionized, by the way. Okay? You enter. It's hard to kick you out, though. You did not hear that from me. Nehemiah had a comfortable job. He heard about the state of Jerusalem and the walls. There was a yearning on his heart. He wanted to serve. He wanted to lead. If that's something that you're interested in, then this is for you as well. We're not going to go through qualities of a righteous leader because of time. But we need righteous leaders in government. Amen? 
we just don't want r random people who are looking to just make money or who are just looking that, ah, politician, I get to stand. No, you are a representative of God in those places. So you have to carry yourself in that manner. You have to hold yourself to a higher level of integrity than normal. Why? Because you represent a God. You represent a movement. You represent a kingdom as well. Group number three, community leaders. Who are these people? These are people that serve in the non-for-profit space. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Whether they are starting a non-for-profit, you're working as a volunteer within a non-for-profit, you are working in a non-for-profit, you are joining the board of a non-for-profit. There are several areas that you can come in here. Have you seen the salary of some CEOs and directors of non-for-profits? Do you know that could be you as well? So how can you do this? Number one, what are some of the concerns that are in your heart? You have a child that is autistic. So because of that, you're really passionate about that area. You can join a non-for-profit and be able to serve your community through that. You see a gap in the community. You can start a non-for-profit and you can be paid doing that. Those are the community leaders. And let's move to the king and the queen makers. King and queen makers are individuals who see greatness and potential in other people and push them towards it, okay? Do you have the ability to see greatness in other people? Whether it's leadership in our kids, leadership in the youth, leadership in the adults. Someone came to me and said, Ayo, I think you should run for office. I got my citizenship two weeks before the cutoff for nomination. So I was like, ha, it's two weeks before. We weren't expecting the citizenship to come that early. So I was thinking I'll run four years from now. But in 2022, it came two weeks before. And I called one of my mentors. And I wanted to. He picked up the phone. I know in Buman. He said, I've been expecting this call. I said, yes, sir. Um, it finally came in. And then he cut me off. He said, don't even say anything else. I will be disappointed if you do not run. Because there is nobody more qualified than you to run. So I'll be disappointed if you do not run. There are some of you in here, your words can spur people towards taking action. You can add to people's lives. You can share those types of things. You should be leading. You should be starting your own business. You should be going into this. Have you heard what this person said? I strongly believe you can do it. There are some of you that that is your gift. Use it, please. I need you to look around this room. All of you, yeah, look around, look around, look around, look around. Who are those people with leadership abilities in this room? Look for them. Look for them. May I say something? Sometimes those people might look like a David. They weren't even called into the room because they didn't deserve to be in the room. I'm the last born of six, by the way. Okay? When they have family meeting, they don't even call myself. I'm the last born. Waiting. In fact, I made a joke one day. I'm like, I manage a budget of over like $400 million for a city. And we put together a 30-year plan. And I cannot talk in family meeting. It's okay. It's okay. There is God, though, but it's okay. Some of those individuals might not even have a job right now, might be struggling, might be going around asking for transportation to move around, might be having issues. But we need people that can see greatness inside of people and call it out. 
Those are the types of leaders we need in church. Not just people that see people that wear suits and say, ah, this one is already looking like a leader. No, we need people that can see deep down inside and pull it out. Even Samuel did not see David until God said, no, that is the one that I want you to call. We need people like that in the church. We need people that can pray to God and say, let me see the leaders inside this church so I can help them and raise them to become the leader that you, God, want them to be. So we are looking for king and queen makers. This is not a milokon. <laughs> I'm joking too much. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. They said earlier that I used too much uh, jokes. It's not my fault. Number five, the community. Who is the community? The community is the rest of the church. Okay, you don't want to run for office. You say, like, like, God forbid, that's not for me. Okay, I have like two more minutes, right? All right, this is the last point. You don't want to run, all right? You don't want to do non-for-profits, no. You want to run your business. You want to do your thing. That is perfectly fine. Those people that run for office need the community to support them. Can I say this? I would not be standing in front of you as a city councilor, if not for the Nigerian community in the city of Kitchener. When I told my community that I was running for office, they stood up for me. They stood up for me. I was so shocked. I was so impressed. I almost cried one day. Why? Because these people stood up and said, our own is running. We will support him. Hey, please clap for them. Please clap for them. The reason why I share this is because many times when we talk about ourselves, we speak so negatively about ourselves. But we forget that when I called the president of the Nigerian Association, I said, I'm thinking about running for office. The very next thing she said is, how can we support you? 90% of the people that went door to door in the code, they did not receive a dime from me. They went door to door knocking to knock on thousands of doors on my behalf. There were days that I was sick. I couldn't go out. And they said, don't worry, we'll go and do it ourselves. People that recently just came from Nigeria, three months, five months, six months, that knew nothing about the political sector here, but were willing to support me. When we support one another, we can do great things. I called them again. I said, I'm thinking about running for MP for, uh, this was a few weeks ago. I said, I'm thinking about running for MP in the next election. Can you help me? Can you support? Blah, 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 blah. I need this amount of money. The lady didn't even let me finish the sentence. The very next thing is, what can we do? How can we help? You can do the same thing here. You can do the same thing here. The community is there to support those that run for office. The community is there to build a strong foundation of influence as well within the community. Okay, I, I don't know what to do. There are so many ways that you can support someone running for office. You can be a campaign manager. You can go door to door knocking for people. You can fund campaigns. You can put your money in. So all those business people, pray God, bless me also that I can fund campaign. You can be an event planner for them. You can do data analysis. So IT people, you can join and support from the back end. You can handle admin. I had someone that was folding envelopes and mailing out letters on my behalf. We mailed out thousands of letters. One lady and I were chatting one day, and I said, why did you vote for me? She said, man, I received your letter more than once, and I was blown away that you guys were doing this. I just smiled. No, be me doing more. It was one of the committee I said, yes, it was part of the plan. <laughs> but do you know how I can stand with such confidence? Because I know there is a group of hundreds of people that are willing to support me. And now they pray for me as well. You can do the same for people in your community. So, 
My final slide, I promise. I'm not going to look to this side because I say my time is up. Which one are you? I want to run for office. I'm here. I can support you. We have online training we put together, step-by-step process, a four-year plan to help you out. I want to work in the civil service. I want to be a community leader. I want to support someone running for office. Or I feel like I can be a king and a queen maker. Which one are you? The questions I want you to think about again. Who can represent you? Who is representing you? As a community, you should ask yourself this question. Who should run for us? Please don't be like another community where four Nigerians run in the same world against one another. Why? Why are you splitting all the votes now? Who should run for us? What training programs can we create to get them going? How do we place our people in different areas of influence in the community so that we can stand strong and stand firm as a community? How do we support these individuals? What are those areas of influence? We need righteous leaders and community members in media. We need righteous leaders and community members in education. We need righteous leaders and community members in politics and creating policies. We need righteous leaders and business uh, and people in business. That's the one that all of you say amen to. Amen. amen. You're like, yes, business, economic power. We need the workforce. We need righteous leaders in the entertainment. Do you know the kind of cartoons our children are watching today? The writers that are writing and creating those cartoons, are they coming from your church? Think about it. And we need people in the non-for-profit sector as well. I want to say thank you very much. I'm out of time. It's been a pleasure. I hope I added some value in one way and gave you some things to think about. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Oh, yeah, Q&A as well. Thank you for listening to today's word and we believe you have been blessed. For further information, please visit our website at www.throneofgracecanada.ca or send us an email to info at throneofgracecanada.ca. The word works. Throne of Grace. Transforming lives. Establishing His kingdom.